Welcome back to another week of Check Your Six of the Summoning Hour. This is the segment that focuses on Collegiate Rainbow Six. First off this week, we're going to cover the matches that I called out last week that might have been interesting to follow and see what the repercussions were of their outcomes. So first, it was a national match between Falcon Group 3 and Lion Group 3 with Texas A&M from Falcon Group and Grand Canyon University from Lion Group. This ended up being a 2-0 in favor of Texas A&M. Match result was 7-4 and 7-5. Now this was important because this was a national match, so it was across divisions, and both of these teams were ranked number one. Now, given the outcome of it, 7-4, 7-5, it's appropriate to call out that Grand Canyon played their strategy. They were able to play a macro game, and they were able to out-strategize their opponents. But what we see here is that the high fragging power of Texas AMU was just able to just squeeze out those little encounters that just ended up turning things their way just a few extra rounds. The next four matches were a series of rank number ones versus rank number twos in their exact same group. So first in line group one was UC Davis versus Cal Poly Pomona. This ended up being a 1-1 tie. So UC Davis won around seven rounds to one and Cal Poly Pomona won a map eight to seven. Now, if you recall, I said that this was rank one versus rank two. Both teams tied, so they only got one point from this round, which means UC San Diego, who pulled off a win this week, is now tied with UC Davis in terms of overall points with 10, but their round differential because of that win is much higher than UC Davis. So now that tie between UC Davis and Cal Poly Pomona has now actually lowered those two teams from one and two to two and three. Moving to the Viper group, we had Central Florida versus Tennessee and Central Florida with nice two and oh clean sweep remains undefeated in their group with a seven one, seven four victory. Moving on to Viper group three, between Auburn and Alabama, Auburn was able to secure the 7-5-7-3 victory. Rounding our, our rank one versus rank twos, we had the only upset of the week with British Columbia upsetting Arizona State with a 2-0, 7-3, and 7-5. The next group of matches I called out were ranks two versus rank three, and both times this week, rank two was able to take it over rank three, so Houston from Falcon Group 1 was able to take it over Illinois State 7-3 to 7-0. Ouch. But things get worse before it gets better. Southern Illinois University Edwardsville took it out on Oklahoma State in Falcon Group 3 7-0 to 7-2. Ouch. That sounded like a pummeling. My one special call-out match of group drama ended up being Colorado Mines versus Missouri State, where Colorado Mines, without much fanfare or disappointment, was able to take out the last place Missouri State 7-1 to 7-2. Now, while this outcome may not have been much of a surprise, it's what it did with the rest of the group and what the rest of the previously four-way tie looked like in Falcon Group 2. Michigan State was playing out of their group and played Washington State where they lost, so they dropped down in standings. And then 
Colorado Boulder was playing one of the other four tied teams, Houston Clear Lake. Colorado Boulder won, Colorado Mines won, and thus started separating the group. But both Michigan State and Houston Clear Lake are one win away from tying Colorado Boulders and Colorado Mines. So the group drama is not over for Falcon Group 2. So if Falcon Group 2 was my group drama, Viper Group 3 is my hanging on by a thread group. At this point, after the fourth week, first, second, and third are all within striking distance of each other. So, so two and three, UNC Charlotte and Alabama, if they win and Auburn loses, they're tied with Auburn with 10 points. Then it comes down to round differentials for who is going to be number one. But if we look at Rutgers at number four, they have six points. So if UNC Charlotte or Alabama tie and Rutgers wins, they're back in the top two. Done. Now it just gets even better because New Jersey Institute of Technology is right underneath Rutgers with five points. And right underneath them is Louisiana Lafayette and Kentucky with four points. And even eighth place, Tennessee Tech, with one point, with one win, could take out and replace the sixth or seventh place team and start moving into a position to move into the playoffs with four weeks left of competition. So no one is out of the running in Viper Group 3. And that's all I've got for the special matches I called out from last week. But the other call out I did was the number of undefeated teams that existed through three weeks of competition. That number has been cut in half. So we went from 11 to 5. That's a big cut. That goes deep and those wins and losses go across divisions. Our remaining undefeated Titans as they go from division to division. From Eagle, we have Ontario IT and Ohio State. From the Falcon division, we have Iowa State and Texas A&M. The Lion group had all of their undefeated teams lose or tie this week, so there are no longer any undefeated teams in Lion group. Viper group was our black sheep last week, as they were the only division to have two undefeated teams as opposed to the other divisions that all had three. This week we saw the fall off of one, Kennesaw State, and Central Florida now remains the only undefeated team in the Viper division. That's all I've got to recap from last week. Now we are going to start moving into interesting data that I found this week as well as start talking about matches going into week five. After four weeks of competition in the season play, every team has now been able to play one of their two matches that goes across divisions. And there are a lot of pretty equally spread out wins, losses, ties, and it breaks down pretty easily. 3-3-2, 2-3-3, but there are a couple groups I want to call out for exceptional play, both good and bad. Now, Falcon Group 2 they have only been able to secure one win outside of their group. So they are a one in seven group, and now that still treats them equally across the rivals in Viper Group 2, Eagle Group 2, and Lion Group 2, but they had four matches against Lion Group 2. 
So you're starting to see a little bit of a pattern. Whatever kind of meta and strategy that Lion Group 2 has, they're able to pull off something rather significant against Falcon Group 2. And speaking of Lion Group 2, they have swung the entire other direction with seven wins and one loss. That one loss came from Viper Group 2. Their other wins came from two matches against Eagle Group 2 and one other match against Viper Group 2. So even then, Lion Group 2 is shooting a, or a 500 score against a rival in Viper Group 2. Running into week five, I'm looking at the standings from every division, every group, and there's going to be some significant shakeups all across the board. So instead of trying to flesh out an interesting match to watch based off of standings, I found the really close ones that were tied positions, and I wanted to call out the stats and the players who are going to make the biggest difference in each of these matches. The first battle I want to call out is Simon Fraser versus California State University Sacramento. Both teams have seven points. They're both two wins, one tie, one. And on top of that, they're in a three-way tie with UC Irvine with the same exact record. The difference being Irvine has twice the round differential of Simon Fraser, and Simon Fraser sitting with nine is about 10 times higher than CSU Sacramento or their one round differential. So there's a little bit of a lead there eking things out in terms of Simon Fraser's advantage, but if we look into the players, it gets real interesting real fast. Each team seems to have a high fragger who's also highly volatile in terms of not necessarily getting the best bang for buck, but they are very consistent with that claiming at least one kill per round. For CSU Sacramento, that is Saturn. With 64 kills and only 17 assists, you know he's got the killing power and he has the strategy and the gunplay to take advantage of at least one member on their opposing team in the 58 rounds that he's played. Across the aisle on Simon Fraser's side, we have a five-man squad who has played every round together with 45 rounds played total. Rowdy Owley, with their 61 kills, 9 assists, and only 25 deaths in those 45 rounds played, is also the high fragger for Simon Fraser and also now has had to claim at least one kill per round. So if we're looking at a 4v4 situation, we start having to look at how deep each team's members go. And when we look at it, it's actually really close. I can't tell if some of the members on CSU Sacramento is tracking alternate names for some of their players or if these were substitutes, but if we look at the ones who have seen the most regular play, it is almost identical with Simon Fraser. Now Simon Fraser has one team member who hasn't claimed yet 20 kills but could easily do so this week, while CSU Sacramento has two members who have just barely cleared 20. With that in mind, I think this one's too close to call, and it's just going to come down to who shows up for consistency and who is going to control the other team's high fragger. From Falcon Group 1, we get to see if Angelo State 
or Houston will be able to pull out a victory and pull away from the other in a two-way tie for first place. Angelo State has a little more hot spots in terms of high fragging power, but they have a low number of rounds played and a round differential 29, as opposed to their opponents, Houston, whose round differential is 18, which tells me they play a much closer game. Houston, on the other hand, they have all around very high frags for every member on their team. One member, the Vanda, has 69 kills in the 69 rounds played. That is a 1.0 kill to death ratio. And across that number of rounds, that is, that is a proof of consistency in play. And I think Houston is going to need that consistency to take it out against Angelo State, who, while not as high fragging, they are very consistent, they're methodical, and they've overwhelmed their opponents much faster before their opponents can adapt to their strategies. So this is going to be one of those times where I think Angelo State's strategies and tactics, which have led to that higher round differential score, means that they just outplay their opponents as opposed to trying to outrun and gun in every confrontation. But it seems to be working well for Houston, so we'll just have to see whose flavor of Rainbow Six pulls it out in time. The next confrontation I want to call out is Case Western versus Carnegie Mellon. Right now they're tied for fourth place and the loser would be hanging on by a thread to fifth place. As I mentioned, these two teams are tied for fourth place, but when you look at it, they are two wins and two losses, and the round differential for Carnegie Mellon is one. Round differential for Case Western is a negative 10. So when Case Western loses, they lose hard. When Carnegie Mellon wins, they barely squeak it out. So this is going to be either a real quick 2-0, a harsh 1-1 tie where Carnegie Mellon edges it out and Case Western just gets blown out, or it'll be just a slugfest 7-8, 7-8 between two teams that are really closely tied together in terms of skill and execution. When we look at the stats, there's not a whole lot of significant deviation that I can see where one team is going to pull ahead and the other, or where there's a real idea of what the execution is in each team's playstyle outside of the rounds played. But Case Western, for the number of rounds that they've played, yeah, they have a whole lot more kills. They have a whole lot more assists as well. And their deaths aren't that much larger than Carnegie Mellon's. When we go to Carnegie Mellon, they tend to be on the low side in terms of all their stats. Kills, deaths, assists. I don't think we could get much better in the way of having a match that is pitting identical or nearly identical teams against each other. We should see some really well executed moments of Rainbow Six, but this isn't going to be top level play. We will see teams make mistakes and it'll be loud and clear when that happens. So it's all down to who makes less mistakes. And just like the Case Western versus Carnegie Mellon, we have another match that's tied for fifth place, where a round differential is seven versus a round differential one. Cincinnati versus University of Texas San Antonio. The stats are too close to call, 
These guys are tied one win, two ties, and one loss. It is going to be so close to determine a winner in this. My guess is it's going to be another tie. And that's all I've got this week as we head into week five. I'm looking forward to the matches this week. If you are a Rainbow Six team participating in Collegiate R6, I would love to talk to you and your team, get to know you a little bit better, show some highlights of what you guys are like behind the scenes, and if possible, get a stream going and play some casuals with you. Please reach out to me on social media, which you can catch all those handles on my outro. I am Warlocker Call signing off, and don't worry, because I've got your six. Make sure to share the podcast with your friends and family. Video games and esports are huge industries, and I'm sure you know someone who knows someone who wants to get into either of those spaces, and I believe that this podcast will bring value to them. Let them know to check it out at anchor.fm slash the summoning hour. If they like it, or if you like what you hear, you can download the Anchor app and leave feedback directly for me, and it'll get incorporated into the podcast. Alternatively, you can reach me at Warlocker Call, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram and Twitch and Mixer, or two words on Facebook and YouTube. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time on the summoning hour.